Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We are your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. It's Stephanie. And Andrew. And this is episode number 20 of History for Weirdos. Woohoo! We made it! 20! 20, the big two zero. Yeah, it's been so fun um, researching and writing and sharing stories with you all. Yes, it has been. And I definitely like this milestone. It comes in a time of like, you know, pure, you know, historical significance. Absolutely. This is, we're like living through history right now. I know so much um, is going on. Yeah. I've been trying, you've seen, I've been trying to keep like little notes in my journal, Mm -hmm. even if it's just like a couple lines of what's been going on, because this is definitely a time we will look back on. Yes. You know what? I've always thought like, it would be really cool to tell our grandkids, be like, Back in the year 2020, this is everything that happened. Oh, my God. I hope you guys liked my old person voice. (laughs) I did. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. And um, speaking of history. Yes. What episode or what story are you telling us today for episode 20? Oh, this is my turn? Yeah. Oh. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. I got you, fam. Okay, so I actually have a really cool story today. It's, It's about a... A very significant person in um, black history, actually. Okay. And she is known as Madam C.J. Walker. And yes. she was not only the first, you know, black female millionaire in the uh-huh. United States, she was the first female millionaire in the United States. And wow. one of the first black millionaires in the United States, regardless of male or female. So she's like, a, you know, I've obviously heard the name before, um in school and stuff, but she's a huge person in just American history in general. Yes, absolutely. The the fact that um, she was able to be so entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. and coming from such disadvantages, she really embodies like the American spirit Mm -hmm. of, you know, rags to riches. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also not only that, just from like an entrepreneurial and business perspective, I was fascinated by her. Oh, I bet. Yeah. She had really cool, like business techniques. I want to learn more. Turn. Go ahead and tell me about yes. Madam C.J. Walker. Before I get into her, I'm going to just cite my sources or else I'll forget. Okay. You know me. So my sources were biography.com, mm-hmm. womanshistory.org, Madam C.J. Walker's personal website, actually. Whoa! Yeah. Is it run by her family or something? I, I like think her so, yeah. That's so cool. Or just, you know, some sort of foundation uh-huh. that covers it. And then also uh, history.com and, of course, Wikipedia. Awesome. So, who was Madam C.J. Walker? Tell me. You know, like I had said, she was the first um, female millionaire in the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. And she invented, and you know, how she became a millionaire was she invented a line of African-American hair products for women. And this came about because she actually was suffering from a scalp ailment that resulted in her own hair loss. Was it alopecia or alopecia? Actually, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I didn't. It didn't really say. Oh, okay. But you know, regardless, like she saw a problem that afflicted herself mm-hmm. and then others, and was like, "Oh, let me create something to help alleviate that problem." That's, yeah, that's how like many the, businesses start. Exactly. That's the entrepreneurial key. Is, and uh, I mean, back then, what around what 
time was this? So this was like the turn of the century. There were definitely no mainstream hair care products for black women. Oh, no, absolutely not. She had... Um, so there's a huge gap in the market. Absolutely. There was only, like, really one product before her. Oh, my God. That's such a So, shame. yeah. And for, like, the entire country. <laughs> um, so, and what's cool is, like, she promoted her products by traveling around the country, giving lecture demonstrations, and eventually established the Madam C.J. Walker Laboratories to manufacture cosmetics and train sales beauticians. Oh, my God. So not only did she invent, like, a really cool product, and I'll get into this later, but she also pioneered, like, a new way of sales. Uh-huh. Like, like, creating new sales channels. That's amazing. I mean, I'm sure you'll get into it, but I'm just thinking, like, to li- she literally went to her customers. Yes. To explain why this would solve their problems. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It was really dope. Um, her entrepreneurial spirit led her, you know, like I said, to be the first American woman to be a uh, self-made millionaire. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I need to caveat this by saying there might have been others before her, but you know, there's, you know, asterisks, like, you know, they might've inherited a ton of money I see. or, you know, like, you know, we are not really sure about their wealth because this, Uh again, this was like, would have been like, you know, 19th century and it's hard to gauge like, and I don't think people documented women's lives no as much as they documented men's absolutely not yeah. so yeah there would probably like be hard to tell like was she from wealth was she not was she self-made a lot mm-hmm. of people probably weren't keeping records about oh no that absolutely stuff. not mm-hmm. so um she also was known for her many philanthropic endeavors as well she funded Aww. scholarships for women at the tuskegee institute and donated large parts for wealth to the naacp and included a very large donation towards the, the construction of an Indianapolis YMCA. Oh my God, what a badass. Yeah, she's really cool. So she's primarily known for her business endeavors, but her philanthropic right. endeavors and political activism as well uh, were sh- like pretty huge. Oh my God, I didn't know that at yeah, all. I'll I, get more into that later, but yeah, it's really cool stuff. At this point, I just want to say that I... If you had asked me, like, can you tell me about Madam C.J. Walker? I would have just said that she created a product and yeah. became a millionaire. I learned a lot doing research. I, that's what I thought as well, too. Yeah, but this, there's definitely so much more to her. There's a lot more. Oh, she's an empire builder. That's she, what I want to say. She that I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. She's an empire builder. That's so cool. I cannot be stressed enough. She built an empire, and it's really fascinating. Okay. It's good stuff. So, um, and also, like, you know, I kind of mentioned this, but mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt, uh, worth, or it's worth repeating at least. She also used her position to advocate for the advancement of black Americans and mm-hmm. for an end to lynching. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It's, I don't, ugh. But she, so, she got to a place of, you know, some privilege and power just by her enterprises and the yep. money. Money always comes with weight, obviously. Um, I love that. She didn't just think of herself. She wasn't like, okay, cool, I'm good now. Yes. She really thought about her community. Absolutely. And making this country better. That's amazing. I know, really cool. So let's go. I'm going to take a big step back and mm-hmm. talk about her early life. Okay. So Madam C.J. Walker was born as Sarah Breedlove on December 23rd, 1867. What? Yes. Yeah, so her name was actually Sarah Breedlove. I'll get into why she's Madam C.J. Walker in a little bit. Okay. Um, her parents, Owen and Minerva... Harry Potter fans, yes. Her mom's Minerva McGonagall? Exactly. (laughs) That would be an ultimate plot twist right there. (laughs) We're such nerds. So, yeah, her parents were Louisiana sharecroppers who had been born into slavery. Oh, my 
my God. And so what's worth noting here is that Madam C.J. Walker was born just after the Civil War. So just a couple oh. years after the Civil War and a few years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So she was born free, like kind of like the very first generation, generation to be born free. I mean, and just barely. Oh, my God. So she might not have known slavery, but she knew, like... Oh, her family the, knew the trauma of Exactly. It. Yeah, the direct trauma of that. Right. And, you know, she was the fifth child and, like I said, was the first of her family. So she had older sisters that were mm-hmm. born into, or older siblings that were born into slavery. She was the first one not. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so she was the fifth one. Even her siblings... Yeah, were born into slavery, but she was not. Wow. Yeah. So she was unfortunately orphaned at six years age, and she married at 14 what? to a Moses McWilliams, with whom she had a daughter, Alila, at the age of, or in 1885. I think it was at the age of 18. Mm. Um, I and, wonder if it was because that was common or she... Yeah, I, I. it was hard. It was kind of like there was something... She got married to escape abuse. There wasn't a lot into, like, why, like, you know... What type of abuse? Exactly. Or the perpetrator? But because she ended up being married, like, she escaped her abuse. And from all accounts, this man, hmm. her first husband, seemed like he was a good man. Hmm. So, which was nice. That's, you know, historically for women in general, that's so common. <laughs> I don't know if you heard Andrew's back crack. That yeah. was really loud. <laughs> that's so commonly what marriage was. It afforded you protection. Right. Um, to different degrees. So it sounds like she was in, for her, it sounds like she was in a more immediately dangerous situation that she needed to get out of. Yes. And luckily, you know, she met a nice guy and... She got that protection for the time. Right. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, he died when she was 20. With a two-year-old daughter. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. It's nuts. So... This woman. After Moses' (laughs) death, I know Sarah and Alila, I really don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right, but... I apologize, you know, to anyone who actually does know how to pronounce it that. It sounds pretty. Yeah, Lila. Um, they moved to St. Louis, where Sarah's brothers had actually established themselves as barbers. Mm-hmm. And there, Sarah found work as a washerwoman, or washerwoman, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And she only earned a dollar and fifty cents a day. Oh my God. But it was enough to send her daughter to the city's public schools. But a dollar oh fifty a day. I don't know what that is in, in inflation, you know today's terms but it's probably still not a whole lot of money no do you know if she went to elementary school and like public no school? i doubt it i doubt it yeah it didn't say anything but i don't think she had any sort of education formal or otherwise wow yeah which makes it makes this her story even more insane so let's go get into her foray into business mm-hmm. so during the 1890s sarah developed the scalp disorder like i had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that caused her to lose a lot of her hair Mm-hmm. And so she began to experiment with both like home remedies and store bought hair care treatments in an attempt to improve her condition. Yeah. And from what I read, it didn't really work out that well. Oh. Mixed results. So also during this time, she was married to a man named John Davis, and mm-hmm. it was not a happy union. Mm. Um, I couldn't find much about him, but we do know they were married for nine years and they mm-hmm. divorced in 1903. Okay. So, you know, and she, he wasn't super consequential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Something I'm thinking of with the hair loss, because she would have been young, losing hair. She had experienced so much trauma. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much they knew then, but we know now how much stress in the body um, 
has to physically manifest somehow. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was just sort of the manifestation of everything she'd been through and survived. Yeah, that's a possibility. Was her hair loss, which at the time, obviously in the moment, that feels that must feel so shitty. Such a you know, a confidence thing, a vanity thing, but it's that shitty thing yeah. that will eventually get her her big break. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. She really turned lemons into lemonade, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So in 1905, she was hired as a commission agent by Annie Turbo Malone. First of all, like, I love that name. (laughs) Annie Turbo Malone, attorney at law. Oh, my God. Gangsta. I don't know. I can't really decide which one. Maybe both. Um, (laughs) Both, definitely. She was a successful black hair care product entrepreneur, and um, she moved to Denver, Colorado to work for her. Okay. And that same year, she married Ad Man, is what they called her, called him. Like, so I guess he was an advertisement. <laughs> so that was the nickname for him? Yeah, he was an Ad Man. Ad yeah, man. I'm an Ad Man. Kind of like, it may have reminded me of like the Mad Men of like oh, the 1960s. Oh, yes, he would but definitely been, be Ad Man. Yeah, this was decades before, like half century <laughs> plus before. Yeah, so in 1905, she married Ad Man Charles Joseph Walker, and oh. she renamed herself Madam C.J. Walker. Why? Just because it sounds like it sounds badass, dope? yeah. <laughs> and with a dollar and twenty five cents, uh-huh. she launched her own hair, her own line of hair products and straighteners for African American women. And the name of it was Madam Walker's Wonderful Hair Grower. Dollar and twenty five freaking cents. She turned a dollar and twenty five cents into an empire. Yep. Oh my god. I know. That's the goal. That's that. I know. I was like, I saw that. <laughs> I'm like, dreams. dude, this, she is, and I mean this in like the most like upbeat and like only positive way possible. She was a hustler. Yeah. She was like, I am reading about her. I was just enthralled by her. She was like incredible. I can't like, who does that? Uh, yeah, I, who, I don't know. I, I certainly couldn't do that. Who experiences that much adversity and then. Tur- like, turns it around beyond probably what anyone at the time would have expected. Yes. Like, no one could have imagined. Like, maybe she-, she obviously was really savvy and intelligent. So people, oh, yeah, Madam C.J. Walker's super smart. Her business will do well. Mm-hmm. No one could have imagined how well it would do. No, no, absolutely not. Um, what's cool is she marketed herself as an independent hairdresser mm-hmm. and retailer of cosmetic creams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, splitting herself off from... Annie Turnbow Malone. So, yeah, sorry, I said Turbo early, but it's, it was Turnbow. Uh, that sounds like a made-up name. It does. That sound. plus Adman just yeah, sounds like, like this is a car- like a comic or something. Yes, I know, like a comic from like the 1920s. When they have like the funny voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, her husband, who was also her business partner, okay. ad- provided advice on, of course, advertising and promotion. <laughs> that he should. I As he should. So. Yeah. And Ad-man. Sarah sold her products door to door, teaching other women how to groom and style their hair. So not only did she sell the product, she actually, and this is like what's taught in business schools like now. Okay. It's like they, she sold just, there's just the product where mm-hmm. you get the money, but then also as you're buying the product, you're getting like free, you mm-hmm. know, quote unquote, um, like add on services. Oh. So, like, you know, the free education on how to use it and, yes. like, how to style your hair to make it look better, you know, whatever. That's so crazy because, like, in all, like, all the businessy podcasts and stuff that I've listened to or YouTube channels, whatever, that's, like, advice that people give now is, like, yes. you want to um, 
give freebies with your product. Mm -hmm. And And she did this like a hundred years before now, hundred plus. That is crazy. Yeah. How cool is that? I have a quick question about her product. Actually. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this. So this idea for hair care products for black women, for African-American hair came from her hair loss. Yeah. So I was going to ask, is this product just like a styling product or is it a hair growth product? I think it was both. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, again, like, I, I mean, I don't know. Of course, I, that's like me asking, I'm like, what, what was the product? You know, I, I don't, I don't it's know. It's like, dude, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's like over a hundred years ago, <laughs> but obviously it worked because it, it did super well. Yes. Um, so, okay. Back to the story here. So, and this is a quick aside. Mm-hmm. Madam was an, ad- was adopted from women pioneers of the French beauty industry. So she kind of marketed mm. herself in that like French, like hoity toity yeah. lens. No, they were, and you know, often still are like the standard for beauty products. Yes. So in 1906, Walker put her daughter in charge of the mail order operation. What? Yes. Mail order operation. This again, 1906. Mail order operation, which, you know, that type of operation lasted for, like, through the 80s and 90s even. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah I maybe remember. Maybe even early 2000s. I don't know. But maybe old people still do it. I remember, like, getting catalogs and, like, yes. trying to convince my parents to let me she, mail order stuff. They started that in 1906. Holy. So, um, and that was, you know, they had set up headquarters in Denver, mm-hmm. you know, while they were still living there. And, um... You know, they and her daughter Alila did that while she and her husband traveled throughout the southern and eastern United States to expand their business. Wow, mm-hmm. I love that her family went all in with her. Yeah, I know, pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. So, in 1908, Walker and her husband relocated to Pittsburgh, and they opened up a beauty parlor and established the Leela College to train hair culturists. Wow. Yeah. So, again, like, it kind of expanding upon just the product. They're really making it into a, a lifestyle, a brand. Holy she did this shit. over 100 years ago. And this is now just starting to be taught in, like, MBA programs. Yeah. Like, maybe the last 10 years or so. Pretty freaking cool. I'm floored. I know. So, and as an advocate of... of black women's economic independence, she mm-hmm. opened training programs in what was marketed as the quote-unquote Walker system uh-huh. for her hair, or for her national network of licensed sales agents. She created her own system oh, to train people. system. And she was very nice because so um, there was a little script mm-hmm. on this that said, like, the, hel- the sales um People earn very healthy commissions oh. off their sales. So she was very generous with her employees, it sounded like, too. Yeah, well, it sounds, it, that tends to be, you know, what we see in research, how women are as business owners, actually. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and especially for her, like, coming from just probably, like, severe poverty to, like... A family that had been enslaved. Yeah, her parents were enslaved. Her older siblings had been enslaved. And, you know, now she's kicking ass and she, she's kicking ass she's got the wealth and she wants to spread the wealth yes yes it's really really cool damn so in 1910 walker established a new base in indianapolis and you'll see that's a theme she kind of like established she's very like um like a <laughs> like me i feel like she mm-hmm. like is like okay I'm, I'm over this place now let's move to another place okay i'm over it now let's move to this other place yes yes kind of she shiny likes, object syndrome a little bit she likes newness yes it sounds like definitely mm-hmm. and so alila at this time also persuaded her mother to establish an office and beauty salon in new york city's growing 
Harlem neighborhood in 1913 because she had the foresight of seeing this is going to be like an epicenter of black culture. Yep, and, and it was. And she was right. It was mm-hmm. a very good bet, obviously. Um, so between 1911 and 1919, during the height of her career, Walker and her company employed several thousand women as sales agents for its products. By I just love that so- the independence she gave all these women, the freedom... It's so cool. It's so amazing. So by 1917, the company claimed to have trained nearly 20,000 women. Holy shit. Yes. Dressed in a char- uh, characteristic uniform of white shirts uh-huh. and black skirts and carrying black satchels. They visited houses around the United States and in the Caribbean. Dur- what? Uh, yes. Offering walkers hair pomade and other products packaged in tin containers carrying her image. Oh my god, she is the queen of branding. Yes, freaking queen of branding. I, we should post, we'll post a um, a picture of like some of her products on our Instagram. Her, yeah. yeah, tomorrow. Um, but yeah, pretty cool stuff. Oh my god. Yes. Um, She's just so ahead of her time, I'm she, so amazed. She really was. Like the more I read about it, I'm like, oh my god, this is taught in business schools now. Like this is taught. Like mm-hmm. she was a pioneer. And the fact that like we don't know like mm-hmm. the mainstream, you know, educational system hasn't taught a whole lot about her is like one, it's unsurprising, but two is also like baffling at the yeah. same time. It's unsurprising and baffling. I yeah. agree. So Walker understood the power of advertising and brand awareness. Obviously, yes, obviously. <laughs> heavy advertising, primarily in African American newspapers and magazines in addition to Walker's frequent travels to promote her products, helped make Walker and her products well-known in the United States. And obviously the Caribbean as well. Wow. Pretty dope. I bet if she were alive today, I bet she'd eventually like parlay that into like, um, like those high-performance business coaches. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it sounds like she's really just good at business. Incredibly good. I was because I was thinking I was like I would hire her as a business coach. <laughs> yeah, me too. If I could afford her, It'd probably be <laughs> she'd probably be so, so much. You'd probably charge like absurd amounts of money because she could. Because she could. She'd probably at least like ten grand an hour. Also, getting back to the fact that you said she probably didn't have a formal education, I love um, what like I at lo- all. Yeah, what I love about entrepreneurship is that so much of it can be instinctual mm-hmm. and going with your gut and you don't need a formal education. That's a really good point actually. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. And she kind of, it's almost like it would, for her, it might've been even a hindrance, like a formal education. Yeah. Oh she was God, able to think right. on her feet. Like she had like a blank slate and mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. Really cool. So, um, let's see here. In, unfortunately though, you know, some bad news finally, um, mm-hmm. in 1913, our girl, Sarah, or Madam C.J. Walker, unfortunately got a divorce from her now ex-husband, Charles. Mm. We don't know a whole lot why, mm-hmm. um, but it seemed like it was amicable. Okay. On the bright side, though, she also got to travel the Caribbean for years <laughs> to promote and expand her business while teaching her method. That's amazing. I know. So, you know, she did that for, like, years, too. Um, during this time, Alila established the business presence in Harlem because her, again, like her intuition told her that black culture would explode there. Which it did. Art, music, poetry. And that became kind of like the epicenter. Mm -hmm. 
1916, upon returning from her travels, Walker moved to her new townhouse in Harlem. And from there, she would continue to operate her business while leaving the day-to-day operations of her factory in Indianapolis to its four-lady. Mm-hmm. Four-lady, not even four men. Oh, my God. Babe, yeah. That's a good catch. I didn't catch <laughs> yes. that. Yes. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? She was really into hiring women. And I'm assuming, like, I didn't didn't know, like, who that was, but yeah. I'm assuming it was probably, like, a black woman that she had trained, like, early on. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, she kind of became, like, the general manager of that plant. I wonder if you can visit her home in Harlem. Yes. Oh, you can? Yes, I think you can. That's awesome. I'll get into, like, more of her stuff in a little bit, especially, okay. like, her houses and, and legacy, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that you can. Yeah, because when we go, I would love to see it. I would, too. Yeah. So, let's, like, kind of switch gears a little bit and yeah. move over to her activism. Mm-hmm. So, Walker quickly immersed herself in the social and political culture of the Harlem Renaissance. Hell yeah. She found, she founded actually th- philanthrop- uh, philanthropic endeavors, sorry, excuse me, <laughs> um, that included educational scholarships and donations to homes for the elderly, the oh. NAACP, and the National Conference on Lynching, among other organizations focused on improving the lives of African Americans. Wow. Yeah. So she, she a did force. a lot with her wealth. Yeah. She really did. Like, she parlayed that wealth into, you know, really cool stuff. Into shaping American history. Yeah, I know. She also donated the largest amount of money by an African American towards that construction of the Indianapolis YMCA in 1913. That's so cool. Because I kept on, it was weird. Like, I kept on reading, like, all these articles. They're like, they made such a big deal on this, like, YMCA. I'm like... (laughs) Oh, okay. Like, I mean, that's cool. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, why are they making such a big deal? Uh And then I read that line. I was like, oh, that's why it's such a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So, and also what's cool is like during her, you know, activism days, she had really cool and influential friends like Booker T. Washington, Mary McLeod Buthane, and Webb Dubois. Oh my God. Yeah. So like, like, early pioneers of, like, civil rights as well. Also, I think it's W-E-B. Yeah, I know. It is W-E-B, but I like calling him Webb. 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 Damn, so they were all hanging out together. Yes. That's so crazy. I always think, like, you forget that historical figures, like, lived at the same time. Yeah. And all knew each other. I don't know. It really humanizes them mm-hmm. to think of them, like, sitting around at the dinner table and talking about how to, like, be badasses. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I know. They're like, hey, let's just like change the course of American history. Okay, yeah. Like, Can you also pass the salt? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, again, like this, uh, this is also during the time of World War One, and Walker was a leader in, you know, and I apologize in advance, but the name of this group was the Circle for Negro War Relief. Uh-huh. And she was a leader in that and advocated for the establishment of a training camp or, or camp, excuse me, for black army officers. What? Yeah. So what like, wasn't she involved? In? I know. I was like, dude, this woman's insane. She's Did just she like, it's a, like, boom, 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 boom. You know, I bet she had like a freaking like Mark Wahlberg schedule. Like wake up at four. A.m. <laughs> yeah. Like workout one, <laughs> like first breakfast. And then, like, do other things. Like, and this is all before 6 a.m. Run my empire. Run my philanthropies. Yes. Second, Second breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> like, workout number two. 
freaking Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mark Wahlberg and yeah, Madam machine. C.J. Walker. I know, seriously. But she's like, get up at like four in the morning, start making like sales calls to like Europe. I don't Damn. Know. I'm just making this up. But right, like, it's but really cool. Y- like you have to have such like clear focus to Absolutely. get all of this done. I'm just, I'm like amazed because I do not have clear focus on No, I don't either. Anything. <laughs> I'm very jealous. Uh, I know. Me too. I really wish I had this much of a drive. I, I bet she was an upholder. Oh, she absolutely was an upholder. Mm-hmm. She, I think, she definitely upheld, like, not only, like, you know, Her outside expectations, expectations, but yeah. Yeah, upholder is, um, it's a personality, par- like, category thing mm-hmm. by Gretchen Rubin. For those of you that don't know, I love to, like, guess people's, like... Um, type. It's, that is the therapist in you for sure. Yeah. There's upholder, questioner, rebel, and obliger. I'm a rebel. Andrew's a questioner. Um, AKA Andrew's super annoying. I, I and just, I'm really cool. I like the facts. I like data <laughs> analysis. I like the facts. I like data. <laughs> <laughs> no, that does make me sound like really fun. <laughs> but uh, check it out. You guys can just like Google. Um, gosh, what does she call them? Oh, the, the four, four tendencies. tendencies. <gasps> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> For vanilla Coke, by the way. Okay. I haven't had one of those in like 10 years. So. I haven't had anyone jinx me in like 10 years. So <laughs> I, I will happily am, give you that vanilla Am I Coke. 8 or 28? Oh. That's a good question, actually. I vote I 8. Probably. But yes, yeah, so like upholders, just for the reference, Hermione Granger from Harry Potter is like the quintessential upholder. Oh my God, she's so, it's, so annoying. It's the type of person, and it sounds like Madam C.J. Walker is like this as well, that they set a goal, like they set a New Year's resolution, and then they actually meet that New Year's resolution. Yeah. Weird. And then other people have expectations for them, like deadlines or times to meet or whatever, and they always meet those expectations as well. Yes. Very strange. I'm a rebel, so I'm literally You're the, exact the opposite. opposite. I don't meet <laughs> my expectations. I don't meet anyone else's. Yeah, and you're the one who says, I'm difficult. Yeah, I must be super fun to be married to. (laughs) (laughs) But back to your story. Back to my story. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, here we go. (laughs) This is where we are. So we're in the middle of World War I. She establishes um, the, uh, you know, like the Circle for Negro War Relief. Uh Uh-huh. Training, uh, you know, establishing a training camp for black army officers. Then it also, yeah. and, and again, this is during World War I, um, but not really related to it. She joined the executive committee of the New York chapter for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or also known as the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And Donate to them. Yes. Follow them on Instagram. Yeah, Donate. they're they're really cool. Mm-hmm. So, and this chapter organized the silent protest parade on New York City's Fifth Avenue. Wow. The, dub, the public demonstration drew more than 8,000 African-Americans to protest a riot in East St. Louis that killed 39 black people. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I didn't even actually know about this. Wow. Yeah. I've never, ever heard of this. I mean, again, unsurprisingly, that's why, like, you know, last episode we did Sally Hemings. Today I'm really happy you did Madam C.J. Walker. We just haven't learned enough about black history which is american history yeah you know african americans here in this country and around the world this is everyone's history Mm -hmm. and i just love learning all this stuff that 
isn't very often told. No, absolutely not. Like, and, you know, for our listeners abroad, Mm -hmm. American history literally just, you know, when we get to cover black history, it's literally like, oh, slavery. Yeah. That's what it starts off with. Yep. And it's like, oh boy. That's our public schooling right there. Yeah. Like, slavery, and then, like, there's a certain, like, highlights. There's Martin Luther King, and that's pretty much it. They're like, they, like, really quickly gloss over Jim Crow. Yeah. Just so that they can get to MLK, and then they're like, and he was super peaceful and chill and we like him and then he died anyway back to white history yeah that's pretty much black history it's like slavery Uh mlk yeah oh and then like jim crow um real quick yeah real quick and yeah not really cool and also for our american listeners you guys can obviously attest to this as well yeah we're not given there's not like they never go deep into any one person no who like madam cj walker she contributed to everything literally she helped train soldiers like she her money helped train people. I know. And it's just, I mean, to be honestly, I'm kind of just like at a loss for words because this is something that should definitely be taught. And like, it's what not. What did she not do? I know. Like hashtag, like, like revitalize our educational system. Yes, please. Oh, anyways. So you mentioned her house earlier and mm-hmm. now I have a whole section on her. Oh house. my God. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, but this is actually a little different. So uh-huh. she had her townhouse in Harlem, which was like really cool. I right. imagine it's probably like one of those like really like, maybe it was like a, one of those, um, what do they call them in New York city? Like those, the, the, they like the brick um, houses or what do they call them? Like the, the, we're such California. We're such, Cause we don't have these in, in like LA or anywhere in Southern California. I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. I, they have, like, yeah, you walk up. It's like we're carrying A brownstone. Branch. Brownstone. A brownstone. Yes. Yeah. It's like a brownstone. I can imagine it was, like, a cool, like, brownstone or something. With but, a fire escape yeah, and everything. But she had a way cooler house. Okay. So she, Walker built what was called an Italianate mansion what? called the Villa Luaro. Oh. The Villa no. Luaro. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. She built herself a villa? She built herself a villa. That I, is literally... I make her... I, it makes me like her even more, because it's like... That's it's, actually our dream. Yes. Like, whoever's listening to this, we fantasize all the time, like, about building a villa. Yeah. She did it? She did it. Damn. So she. It was definitely, like... <laughs> it was cool. There was definitely some, like, Roman throwbacks on, like, respect. Absolutely. And then it was designed by Vertner Tandy, and she was an accomplished African-American architect. In every aspect of her life, she freaking lifts up her community. Yes. That's so, so impressive. Cool. So the Villa Loaro, mm-hmm. the Villa Loaro oh was a gathering place <laughs> for many luminaries of the Harlem Renaissance and was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1976. Where is it? So it's like a 20 miles, I think, north of like uh, New York City. So like, okay. I think it's like upstate New York. Okay. Yeah. But That's like a so Roman cool. like villa. In upstate New York I know. I'm like, oh my God, you're so cool. And a fun fact is like, it's actually like a cooler looking version, honestly, than uh-huh. like the Prince of Bel-Air house. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So like big pillars in the front. Yeah. Like the columns. Giant like Corinthian columns in the front. Mm-hmm. I think they're Corinthian. Don't quote me on that. But like really cool looking. That is literally the dream, like to build a gorgeous villa and then just have all of your super like cool smart successful friends come (laughs) and hang out and party and bullshit and party (laughs) (laughs) and be super cool and smart and take over the world i know it's so dope wow so now i'm like first i was like riding high off of like how cool she is and now i'm like oh wow i 
I'm not that cool. I'm not. <laughs> no, I know. I'm like she was born to like people who were like slaves and her. Yeah. You know, enslaved people, excuse me. And then, like, her, her like, older siblings were literally, like, enslaved themselves. And she built herself a villa. Yeah. Damn. A Roman villa in upstate New York. Okay. Not jealous, not jealous, not jealous! Yeah, we're not jealous at all. So, her death and her legacy. Mm. So, Walker, unfortunately, died of hypertension on May 25th, 1919, at the age of 51, in her... In her villa. Oh my god, she was really young. She was very young, yeah, fifty-one years old. And unfortunately, which sucks, is like hypertension is such a preventable disease now. I don't think it's preventable. I think it's very treatable. I'm sorry, I didn't mean preventable, treatable. Maybe it's. Pre- I don't know a ton about, it, but yeah, like it might be preventable. But it's definitely treatable, is what I meant to say. So Walker left one third of her estate to her daughter, and who would actually also become well known as an important part of the Harlem Renaissance herself. Really? Yeah. And also the la- the the last two thirds of it to just various charities. What? Yes, Walker's funeral took place at Villa Luaro, and she was buried at the Woodlawn Cemetery in Bronx, New York. Uh huh. Yeah. So in 1981, the Madam C. J. Walker Manufacturing Company ceased operations. Okay. Um, what year but again? I'm 1981. Sorry. I was like, wait a second. That's so. A really it still long time. lasted like a very long time after her death. Wow. Like, for another, like, 60-plus years. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and actually what's crazy is that actually a line of cosmetics and hair care products bearing her name mm-hmm. is actually available at Sephora today. What? To this day. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't know so that. So, in a way, it still Sephora. survived. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a way, it still survived, so which is cool. Her legacy still survives. Yeah. It's pretty dope. That's so cool. Yes. Damn. So, and also, there was a Netflix miniseries that came out this year uh-huh. that s- stars Octavia Spencer oh, as yes. Madam C.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard some interesting things about that, though, that it wasn't super historically accurate. Okay. But, you know, still kind of, like, probably gets the gist of it. Right. I haven't seen it yet, but I would like oh, to just... we should totally watch it. Yeah, I'd definitely like to watch it just to see if it's kind of even remotely accurate. Mm-hmm. Do the super fun, like, thing of pointing out historical inaccuracies when we watch Oh, stuff. my God. We do that all the time. Yeah, or when we um, watch the Harry Potter movies and we oh. point out what's different from the books. We're very fun to watch movies with, guys. You, <laughs> we're not obnoxious at all. Um, yes, let's do that. <laughs> yes. So, also, there was a lot of documentaries, you know, in addition to that, you know, throughout the years, starting in, like, the 80s, I think, about her life as well. And, you know, the last point I want to make is she embodied the American dream of, like, literal rags to riches. And I thought it was so cool. And I I had such an honor, and I was so interested in just reading about her. It was just a really cool and amazing story. She's an American icon. So cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. uh, teaching us about Madam C.J. Walker. I mean, I learned so much. Like, I did, too. She was too. even cooler than I thought she was. She sounds like a freaking force of nature. I think yes. I said that earlier, but I just can't imagine. She passed away, obviously, tragically young. She accomplished so much in such a yeah. short amount of time. She, she was the quintessential weirdo. Yeah, she was the. She weirdo. would have been such a weirdo in her time. Are yeah, you kidding me? People, I'd love it. as a as a woman, and then as a black woman, like that to this day, people don't respect women, and she's someone that definitely would have commanded respect at the time. Yes, 
And, you know, I'm just rereading my notes right now. And, you know, she started her business in 1905 with $1.25 and and died 14 years later. And in that 14 years, created an empire. She was not like a business person. She was an empire builder. Mm-hmm. I bet she could have done so much more. Yeah. And imagine just also her activism. Imagine if she didn't die. She like continued her operations mm-hmm. and then focused more and more of her time. On her philanthropic Yeah, members. on her philanthropic and, you know, political activism. She could have done probably a lot more. Wow. And then, you know, obviously leaving, you know, the business in her, the capable hands of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Man. Who also, very forward thinking, she kept calling it like, Harlem's the place to be. Harlem's yes. the place to be. And she was right. I know. She was, yeah, Madam C.J. Walker was so lucky to have a daughter that was so business savvy and forward thinking. It's because, like... She modeled that for her. Yeah. So much of how we see the world is how, like, a parent models it for us. And imagine just being like, oh, the sky's the limit. Like, I can Mm -hmm. literally do anything. My mom literally does everything. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. What a beautiful legacy. I know. Really cool stuff. Thanks, babe. Yeah, no worries. Well, weirdos, that was episode 20. Um, Thank you so much for being here, for listening Please keep in touch with us. You can do so on Instagram at History for Weirdos. Um, if you haven't already, rate and leave a comment or uh, not a comment, a review. Yes. <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> Be gentle. Be kind. Rewind. <laughs> yes. Because it helps other folks find the podcast. And we absolutely love making this for you. And if you have any weirdo history stories that you would like to share with us, please email us at historyforweirdos at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's it then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, weirdos. Adios, weirdos. Yeah.